Okay, welcome back to our TM podcast, episode two already. So slowly, it's already a routine. Today's topic is tendering. So we are jumping a bit around between topics, but I think we just start with some interesting ones and see how this is um, adopted in the field. And tendering is something everybody is interested in, so we picked uh, this one also as one of the early ones. Today, uh, I'm alone here with Sabine. Um, yeah, maybe Sabine, you can maybe mention something about your TM background, uh, and then we can start with tendering. Yeah, hi, my name is Sabine Hamlescher. I'm working on TM now for four years, I'm mainly in the area of tendering, subcontracting, and freight order management. And I will tell you today some nice things about tendering, the process, what nice features we have, how the process can look like, and so on. Exactly. Not only the nice things, but also interesting or special things, I think, will be topics today. We will cover everything we know about tendering, at least a lot. <laughs> okay, so maybe as a starter, we should uh, talk about what tendering, from a business uh, perspective, actually is. So I think uh, most might already know that, but I think as a starting point, let's define tendering as a business process first. So mm -hmm. what is it? So in general, tendering is a bidding process. Um, and the starting point for tendering is a freight order. So whenever a shipper has a freight order and um, he needs to, to find a carrier for it because he does not have um, his own fleet of trucks or has not enough resources, um, he can start a bidding process. So there are different um, different fragrances of, of subcontracting or carrier selection, I would say. Um, on the one hand side, he can say, okay, he knows the list of carriers. He can perform just a normal carrier selection and directly gets one carrier. And he knows, okay, this carrier can, can do the transport. Then he can directly send the freight order to the carrier and wait for a confirmation. Or he can start a tendering process, a bidding process with the aim to find the best carrier, not only the one he thinks um, which, which can do it, but mainly the cheapest carrier. Mm. Um, so the idea is you have your freight order, you start a tendering process. Um, with that, you would define a, a list of carriers. That list of carriers can be derived um, from carrier selection, or you can define it manually or add it from wherever. Tendering template. Tendering, tendering, template, tendering profile. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And then um, you define a bit the setup um, in which order the carriers should should receive their request for quotation, um, which possible answers they can give if they can submit their own price. Or yeah, we will talk about all of yeah, that yeah, later I on. <laughs> um, so mm. you start your tendering process. Then you send out requests for quotations to the different carriers. Um, which the carriers receive, they can receive them um, directly in the system via EDI, email, and so on. We will also see all of that later on. And then the carriers can decide if they can, first of all, carry out the transport, if they have the capacity, if the price is okay for them, and then they can submit a quotation to that. So they can say, okay, yes, I can do it, or no, I can't do it, or I don't want to do it. They submit the quotation back to the TM system, and in the TM system, the shipper can then evaluate um, the different quotations, find the cheapest one or the one with the nicest carrier or whatever. And then he selects a quotation, awards that carrier. 
this carrier gets assigned to the freight order and from then on the, let's say, standard subcontracting process can take place with sending the freight order to the carrier, um, waiting for a confirmation if required, and so on. If you don't have this direct Henry, I think we come yeah. back to it later. So basically, I think it's two processes, right? One is to to already use my carrier, that I, which is my standard carrier. I just want like a confirmation from the carrier that he already that he knows the transport now, and then he will come and pick it up. Mm-hmm. And but I have already freight agreement and everything in, in place. And the other one is really I'm, I'm do some let's say rate chopping. Uh, check what's my best price for for that specific freight order. I might have a standard price for it, but look for something special or that is an exceptional freight order with areas I don't go usually and I, I just shop for the price. Right. That's basically the two things where I would use tendering, right? Yeah. Or if you really have like mm. more an open bidding process where you say, okay, um, the carriers should really, they, they are really forced to submit a very, very cheap price and yeah, yeah, which kind of maybe falls in that second yeah, chapter. So, huh? but I think yeah, but typically, so we would have majority would be I have my carriers assigned mm-hmm. already and just need to confirm with them, and and with that, since I do that electronically instead of by telephone, I I have more time left before the actual transportation starts, and uh, I think from carriers or shippers, TM customers which did not use our tendering before. They often did it via telephone and then mm-hmm. they had problems reaching the driver and then they were not sure if the driver would come. So for them, that conf- the electronic confirmation comes into play with all the nice communication modes. And then it's red shopping, right? Yeah. Okay, nice. I think I understood that. Okay, maybe um, I think as the next step would make sense to go through the life cycle of a tendering. So we, I mean, we briefly already did it. Now, but maybe dive a bit deeper into mm-hmm. starting with, say, I have a sales order in ERP and I have a freight agreement, or not even that, and then I want to do my tendering. Maybe we can go through that step by step. I think it starts, okay, let's take the shipper example. Uh, it starts with a sales order in ERP. So it can already be a sales order. It doesn't need to be a delivery. Uh, okay, that's <laughs> that will be another chapter then, order integration, right? Uh, so it comes over, then you create a freight order for club planning, for example. I think mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. I think, yeah, that was one of our nice zero-click uh, mm-hmm. scenarios, right, where all everything was automated. Maybe we can, let's go through that zero-click scenario now. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's a minimum uh, setup or minimum steps, uh, zero, uh, to, to come from ERP to a carrier uh, quote, right? So I think in that example, sales order comes over. We do that shortcut planning, so we immediately create the freight order, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, what's next? So I have a freight order from A to Z, and let's get started. Find a carrier. <laughs> so um, what would be a typical scenario in that case would be to have a safe strategy um, assigned to that freight order type um, so that once this freight order is created and saved, um, directly a new tendering would be started. So um, there are different possibilities of actually starting a new tendering. One would be to manually start it and manually setting up everything, which is nice in some exceptional cases, but the the regular mm. case would really be to, to use the automatic way. Okay. So what, you w- what we would have then is we would set up a tendering profile, let's say. It's a mm. profile or template, um, whatever you, you want to call it. 
and um, you can define there exactly how the process should look like. This means you can define different um, steps. So you can say, okay, first of all, I just want to send requests for quotations sequentially to two of my favorite carriers. Just if they don't answer in time, um, I will open another round of, of, of sending out RFQs, another step where some more carriers receive um, freight request for quotations in parallel, let's say, and they can okay. submit just their, their quotations. So you can predefine all of that along with um, how the carriers should be determined and everything in this tendering profile. Okay, coming. so now we are at the step we, we save our freight order, right? That mm -hmm. starts the tendering process with a, I think, delivered save strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So that is something standard. So you just have it to assign it to the type. Then mm -hmm. you save that. The next step is now we we find that ten, tendering profile is the name, mm -hmm. right? Find the tendering profile where you define how you find the carrier. I think our example was first... Uh, my known favorite carriers mm -hmm. best price and if they wouldn't be able i would do some rate shopping or watch around exactly. of course it could also be vice versa right it's exactly okay. you can flexibly define it and then uh, so as you said um, the first thing would be to directly send the request for quotation to the carrier we already get from from erp for instance just once maybe if it's okay one step back so how how would i get that i mean it sounds as tendering Profile is very important in step. So we said we have the freighter, we save it. Freighter has a type. Is that tendering profile defined as a type then, or how would we, how would it be defined? What kind of magic is going on there? So there, there are different, um, different possibilities of how we can find this. Ah, okay. um, we have um, a separate customizing activity for tendering, mm -hmm. and first of all, you can define a default default set of settings there and in okay. those settings you can define a, a default type so okay. if you always want to use the same mm. one you okay. could use that one let's stick to that one i think we come to that different options mm -hmm. anyway later but okay let's say we take the default uh, tendering profile so that's an easy easy starting point mm -hmm. okay now we have the tendering profile exactly. in which we said we have the two steps right one is yep. to ask my default carriers and okay so what happens next so um, in the profile, we just said we um, defined, for instance, that if the default carrier wouldn't reply, we want to send the RFQs to a, a different set of carriers. So um, what we would do in this tendering profile would, of course, we would not manually maintain the carriers. We could do that, but that usually doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But we would say just start carrier selection and retrieve the carriers from there. So we know um, the locations, for instance, or the hmm. transportation lane in the end um, for this freight order. Then we would do the regular carrier selection, get a list of carriers, and then we would assign this to the freight order in tendering. Hmm. And how that carrier selection is performed is also defined in that step array. Because in our step here, it would be maybe cost-based, uh, exactly. because I have standard rates and I want to take my cheapest. Okay, that's in that step, I would have... a carrier selection profile and that is then cost-based and okay. Hmm. Exactly. Um, the second thing you can define there is how you want to handle the price limit. Hmm. So of course you can submit a price limit explicitly to the hmm. carrier. Um, you do not have to do this, hmm. but if you want to do this, you could say, okay, I want to, um, to manually define that price, which hmm. usually also doesn't make a lot of sense, but hmm. usually you would um, run charge calculation and get the price according to the freight agreement you have with that carrier if one is mm. available. Otherwise, you can use like a default freight agreement. 
And then the system would calculate the price limit, would also write it to the tendering plan, and then we almost have the tendering setup done. You can, of course, still define um, how long the tendering should run. So for some customers, it's it's more like an hour process. Others do it for a couple of days. That really that depends on the process. Um, just coming back to that price limit, I think that's really optional, mm -hmm. right? Because if I have a freight agreement with that carrier anywhere, I think the price should be clear from, from both mm -hmm. sides. would be more of an information, right? Okay. And that duration. So I would start, let's say, what time do we have now? Quarter to 5 uh, p.m. Mm -hmm. I do my tendering now and say the carrier would stop working at six so to say mm -hmm. so if you talk about times then is that net time so let's say in our example so one more working hour today so i would define a tendering duration of two hours when would that end then that would probably end tomorrow around 9 a.m so in tendering customizing you can say that you want to respect the business partner's calling mm -hmm. hours which you maintain in the business partner mm -hmm. maintenance. Okay. And then we would not have the problem to have an ending tendering process during the night or so. Okay, but that could also logically mean if I have two carriers with different office hours, mm -hmm. the tendering might end at different times, mm -hmm. but everybody has same networking time exactly. available. Okay, so let's assume both carriers uh, are informed now. That's mm -hmm. How would I inform them? How would they know that I selected them and they have said, did they have two hours time? They will. So once you're done with your tendering plan setup, you um, publish the tendering, and then we send out the request for quotations individually to each carrier. Um, and that means we either send out this information via EDI, hmm? or you can send it out via email. Okay. And this is how the yeah. carrier yeah, will Yeah, I think we mm -hmm. for the different. But okay, we can let them know that the tendering started and. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think so. Okay, so now maybe in the easiest case, uh, one would answer immediately. It's uh, still one hour left, so maybe the carrier one would would answer now, and the other one maybe already left and and would answer tomorrow morning. So when would I always wait for the end of the tendering then, or what is well, what would happen next after asking the carrier? So that totally depends on your tendering setup. Um, if we are in a peer-to-peer -peer tendering step, um, we would only have one RFQ out, request for quotation, out per time. Mm -hmm. And if we get an uh, acceptable answer back, the tendering would be immediately over. Okay. If we would mm -hmm. do a broadcast tendering, um, which means we send out the request for quotations in parallel to many carriers, you can decide in your tendering plan setup if you want to wait till the end of tendering and then compare all quotations to find the cheapest one, for instance, or you say, okay, once we receive an acceptable quotation, we stop tendering and go for that. Okay. So basically, yeah, it's either the fastest or a defined time frame. Mm -hmm. Okay. But at latest, uh, but okay. So that means uh, basically in our example, we said we have like two hours mm -hmm. uh, duration. So, and we said it's peer to peer. So basically if I would already have answered now, then the tendering would already be over. Mm -hmm. Because yep. anyway, I have, I'm just a default carrier as the other one. And, uh, okay, then the quick, quickest would win. Mm -hmm. But if nobody would answer um, within that two hours, what would happen then? Two net hours? So tomorrow morning, what happens tomorrow morning? So if the tendering is over and there's no more carrier who can receive a request for quotation, um, tendering would be completed with no result. 
And what we do from the system is we can set up an alert so that the responsible tendering manager, which means the guy in the system who created the tendering, would receive an, an alert so mm-hmm. that he knows, okay, there's a freight order where we need a carrier, but we couldn't find one. Could you also then just start that second step, that broadcast automatically based on no findings for the first one? Or is that... Yeah, 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 yeah sure. an option. I, okay. I, I now assume that tendering is completely over. All no, steps. no, no, only the first step. Okay. Two default carriers. Okay. It's 9 a.m. No, what? Yeah, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, nobody answered. Then we would fall back to the second step. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So this is, oh. this is the reason behind having uh, multiple steps hmm. so that you process one after the other. And if one doesn't bring out an, a result, we continue with the next one. Kind of fire and forget. And then mm-hmm. once the tendering steps are all over, most likely you will have a carrier un- yep. un- until if all steps are over, no carrier, mm-hmm. then you would receive that alert. Exactly. And then it's, it's time for action, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But typically with all the steps, then that should be very exceptional. So yep. you reduce the telephone costs a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. Okay, good. So now we, but we said I was fast. So I answered uh, the tendering and you received my offer. And then, as you said, that is peer to peer, right? So now that would stop the tending already, right? Did I get it? Okay. Mm-hmm. And now I, I would be the lucky carrier, right? Mm-hmm. Would I get another confirmation then? Or is that is it good enough that I answered? That depends a bit on the tendering setup again. Hmm. Um, so if we do, uh, let's say, standard RFQ-based tendering, you would then receive the freight order because hmm. what you received beforehand, the request for quotation, is not the official legally binding order, right? This mm. was just a request, and then you would now finally get it, and then you can still confirm it or decline it if if you need to do that for any reason. Mm. Um, but we also have another option to do a, a direct tendering, what we call it, um, and with US that, tendering, right? What's yeah, that? <laughs> US tendering, right? Regards to Mike. Um, <laughs> What, what we do then is we more or less send the freight order directly during tendering um, and then we don't need to send it again after tendering. And this is mm. usually um, usually done in cases where you as a shipper are pretty sure already that the carrier you have in the tendering will really accept it. So it's really more or less just for, for getting mm. a confirmation back. Doesn't make sense to do that for uh, broadcast uh, red shopping kind of thing, yeah, right? Yeah, you, you could theoretically do it, but okay. It, but it's more it, of a let's say, uh, whether uh, you ask your carrier or you, you already send the order to the carrier and just have a fallback in case he reacts, right? So exactly. Kind of, okay. So it's it's very okay. similar than um, if you would do no tendering but just send the freight order purely without mm-hmm. anything else. But as you just said, with the fallback, if this carrier cannot do it for any reason, um, you mm. can still have a fallback in the tendering. Okay. Okay. So we're already done, right? So I was a U.S. carrier. Now I, I choose to be a U.S. carrier that I get the direct tendering. And tendering process over, right? We went mm-hmm. through it. And then you said, right, if I would be European, then I would get another message that I finally was uh, the chosen. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, nice. And all that, I think in our example, was done in the background, right? Fredor exactly. came over, the Fredor was saved, first determined in a shortcut process, extra episode. We have a Fredor, we save it in a safe strategy, we say start tendering, mm-hmm. then tendering automatically finds the mm-hmm. tendering steps. Mm-hmm. That step runs the carrier selection. Based on the lane setup, I find my two carriers with or without price limit. 
based on freight agreement. Mm -hmm. I send them based on the communication setup I have, say an email, then they check in the portal or they have our nice app. Uh, we come to that mm -hmm. later. They answer, all no interaction so far. And then mm -hmm. finally you got to have a tendering over, mm -hmm. 9 a.m. or already in the afternoon, first one answered, and you have your carrier assigned. Okay, no interaction. And now the uh, tendering manager could check that up uh, next morning if, if everything is fine, if all freight orders have a right um, carrier assigned, tendering over. Okay. I think that's a nice, standard, straightforward mm -hmm. tendering process. Good. So I think the nice nice thing here to add is that you can do it um, really completely automatic with no interaction at all. But on the other hand, you can do it also completely manual if you if you want to do that. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think we come to a different uh, setup things uh, now in, in the next section. I think one thing we mentioned already was the question, how would my carrier interact with me? Huh? So how would I mm -hmm. send that uh, information? So telephone is no option, uh, I think. <laughs> uh, do we have a caller service? No. Huh? But what else do we have? So first of all, you can communicate um, via email. So we send out notification emails with an, a short summary about the freight order. And um, you would also have a link there in this notification email. This link will then lead to a web application where the carrier can log on and see all his requests for quotation and submit new quotations. Um, this is quite frequently used. Um, I think that's also the, let's say, old school 6.0 yeah. kind of process where we exactly. started, right? So you have mm -hmm. a notification with a link, but to confirm, you have to connect back to the system. And if mm -hmm. you're on the road, you no. Know, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, we have improved that a bit with the emails. So now mm -hmm. there's also the possibility to do a completely email-based tendering. This means you receive an email with the information about the freight order, um, all the information you need for this request for quotation, and then you can directly reply to that email, send this back to the TM system, and the TM system will check this, if this is correct, if this is fine, and then we will automatically create a quotation for that, and you would not have to log on to, to any system to to reply. So basically, the, if uh, Joe, the truck driver, I think that's a target group for that kind of tenure maybe, he would receive a normal email, which mm -hmm. he can read on his... Blackberry, if you still have one, mm -hmm. or iPhone, or any any device that can handle mm -hmm. emails, and he would just press reply, and mm -hmm. then by default, or press yes or no. I think there's some coding behind, right, which yep. should be fine. Then, of course, we need to interpret the answer a mm -hmm. bit, and then, um, and then that's already it, right? So there's no lock on to the to system, exactly. but you can do it. Um, okay, but still, you could you could still also lock on to the system as a fallback, exactly. right? Okay, oh, that's possible. Nice. Um, then we have some other options, of course, EDI. Um, I think that's also a very standard case. Hmm. Um, we can send out the... Bigger carriers, right? So yeah, exactly. The, uh, um, then we can send out the information um, per SMS, which is also ah, yeah. quite a nice feature. <laughs> um, of course, you cannot reply to that, and the amount of text is very limited, of course, you can send out. But um, for markets where maybe still the old Nokia phone is is used, this could yeah, be interesting. Yeah, I think some years back, our friends from India came up with mm -hmm. that idea that SMS is even more, but yeah, let's see if we, but I think that SMS-based that nobody is, is using that so far, right? That's no. more, yeah, I think it was a 
what's an option yet, but you you could do it. Exactly. Okay. And then uh, one last option is our app. So we have a nice iPhone app for tendering, um, which provides basically the same functionality as we have on this web application. So on this app, you see nicely all your requests for quotations um, that you received from a shipper. You can um, create a quotation, send it back to the system, can have a look at it on a map, can create a calendar entry and all of that nice mm -hmm. stuff. And um, this is, of course, also directly integrated into the TM system then. Yeah, maybe in the show notes we can then um, send the link uh, uh, to mm -hmm. the app in the App Store. The name is T, what is the name? It's um, Transport Tendering. Transport Tendering, yes. Mm -hmm. The only app in the App Store with that yeah. name, right? And That's an iOS app, sorry. It's an iOS app. And there's a nice demo mode where you can play around and have some data and can get a, a feeling for how this works. So exactly. if you're interested. But that's also live mode, not only demo mode. Of okay. course. Good. So we have basically it's five ways of communicating, right? To some wrap up. So email with the portal or with or without, mm -hmm. uh, with or without email. So the portal would be the place to go. You could also mm -hmm. like check like every five minutes if there's a new tendering. Second one is EDI. I think for the bigger carriers, uh, uh, that's the normal one mm -hmm. you use. Third one is uh, email reply mm -hmm. tendering. So for truck drivers maybe on the road and in the last one maybe for the same truck drivers with an iPhone on the road uh, they would could use the tendering app which is then of course even nicer so you have an overview also and okay mm -hmm. good that's uh, maybe enough for and how, how would I define that as we said for a mom and dad that's different uh, that driver different from um, from any big carrier um, so how would I define that? Where would I define that? So we have in the tendering customizing activity, we have a separate section for communication settings. And there you can first of all define generally if you want to use EDI or emails of the one or the other kind. Um, but you can also define per carrier if there should be any exceptions, if you like. Mm. You don't have to do that. But if you know that a certain carrier never receives EDI, you can just switch it off there for that carrier. Okay, so basically it's not... Defined for tendering, but for the business partner, which is typically yeah, exactly because you typically have the same ways of communication mm -hmm. with the business partner. Okay, nice, good. So we talked about the ways to talk to them. Maybe we can now revisit this tendering. Uh, what is the tendering type plan? What was it? Tendering plan. The tendering plan. Okay, so which defines the different step? Maybe we can deep dive uh, in, into that one a bit more so what can i define there kind of holistically so <laughs> so you can so in, in general you define there how your tendering process should look like in the end so first of all you define um how many and which tendering steps you have so this we explained before and per step you can then define um separately yeah, what 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 information should be sent, um, how the information should be sent, and so on. So first of all, you say um, this is a peer-to-peer -peer tendering or this is a broadcast tendering. So the carriers will receive the RFQ sequentially, just one at a time, or all of them re receive the RFQs in parallel. Um, then you can further go ahead and say, okay, do I want to get a reply from the carriers? So um, this is also quite, an, quite a nice scenario, I think, um, also especially for the North American market. Um, so it, it goes into the direction, a bit of direct tendering. 
So um, if you want to have more like the open bidding process, you say, okay, I send out requests for quotations, and if I do not get a reply by the carrier, this is like he said, no, I cannot do it. On the other hand, there are scenarios where you send out requests for quotations just more for confirmation or for the information of the carrier, and you already know that the carrier will, will do it or you're pretty sure. And in that case, you say, okay, I do not need a response from that carrier, so if I do not get a response back, this is okay for me. I consider this as, as an acceptance. Hmm. Just if the carrier cannot do it, he will send a, a rejection. Okay. That's also quite a nice feature here, I hmm. think. And that's per carrier then per in the step or is it per step? Per step. Per step. You would so within per one step. step, it would be either uh, auto-accept or auto-reject mm -hmm. uh, kind of. Uh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, this is another thing you can define if you want to award the carrier in the end manually or automatically. Okay. So um, that means we have a nice evaluation report um, that should be scheduled in the system. And uh, whenever a quotation comes in, the schedule will check um, for the cheapest carrier, for instance, which would be the standard implementation. But of course, a, a customer can also implement her here a separate logic if there's another indicator besides the price or if the play, price doesn't play a role. For that broadcast, if I have, I think that makes sense for that broadcast standing where yeah. I would have multiple answers exactly. for one request. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but on the other hand, you can also say, no, I want to do the award manually. Mm -hmm. Because the system cannot know which is the best carrier, I want to do it mm. on my own. I just want to get pot potential prices, maybe also comments or something. Exactly. And then uh, choose myself. Okay, mm -hmm. for the broadcast again, right? Okay. Mm, you could okay. do it also for peer-to-peer -peer because you could say, okay, mm -hmm. even if I receive a quotation from that carrier, I still want to check it. Maybe he changed the dates, proposed something different, and this mm. is not really fine for me. You okay, so in a peer-to-peer, -peer, let's say the first carrier would answer, peer-to-peer mm -hmm. uh, -peer is my sequential list, right? My first carrier has answers. I said, mm, I don't want to auto-accept. Then I, the tendering would stop after his answer, right? The tendering manager would look into that one and then say, okay, I reject. And then the next step would start? No. Okay. No. Good. So I would have two steps. Uh, first carrier answers with something I don't like. Mm -hmm. What happens next then? Then you would uh, would restart the tendering. Then you would say, okay, I didn't like this. I want to do it now with a different setup, mm -hmm. different carriers or so on. And you can easily just copy the tendering if you like and just change the carriers or change something or just start okay. a new one. So in a peer-to-peer, -peer, the second step would only start if the carrier rejects uh, actively. So exactly. I see. Otherwise, you would. So it doesn't make much sense to have a peer-to-peer -peer where my carrier would, would answer then with a long list of carriers if you anyway yeah. evaluate that manually then. Okay, I see. Exactly. Okay. I think I got that. Okay. Okay, so the next step um, would be to define where the carriers should come from. Mm. Um, there are different options. So you can just say, okay, I want to add the carriers manually, which is more the exceptional case, mm. but you can do that, of course. Um, then you can just take the carrier that is assigned to the freight order this is a typical scenario if you get the carrier from ERP already as the, let's say, proposed carrier, and you want to use exactly that carrier for the first peer-to-peer -peer step. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have two more options which are more interesting for the broadcast, broadcast step then, which would be to do a completely new carrier selection 
or you can just read the ranking list. So if you upfront create a ranking list mm -hmm. um, for the trade order, we do not have to do a carrier selection again, but we can just simply read the carriers just, from that ranking list. Just for me, ranking list, what is that? I mean, we carrier selection is a topic mm -hmm. of its own, but maybe just maybe we should briefly explain what a ranking list actually is. So when you do a carrier selection for a freight order, yeah. the result of this is usually a list of carriers mm -hmm. ranked with okay. the prior one carrier at the top, mm -hmm. but also all available carriers. And those carriers are written in this so-called ranking list at the freight order. Mm. And yeah, this can be a starting point for tendering then, or you can just look at it and take the first mm. one. Okay, basically the ranking list in, in another context mm -hmm. here, that's a, a ranked ranking <laughs> list of, of carriers for that specific freight orders with this sequence. Okay, and that makes it then into the, for example, peer-to-peer -peer tendering. Maybe mm -hmm. would make sense to ask the number one carrier from the list mm -hmm. first, second, exactly. second. Okay, see. So that would be the carrier selection that was peer-to-peer -peer with input from carrier selection, right? Mm -hmm. In the tendering step. Okay. Exactly. So now we know where the carriers shall come from. The next question is how um, how we handle the price. So depending on your set settings, we can now calculate the price as explained before briefly according to the freight agreement you have with the carrier. You can then also define if you want to check a carrier-specific freight agreement or if you um if you want to use, let's say, a default freight agreement you have for that freight order, which would mean that all carriers would receive the same price limit, mm. which might make sense. But also you could say, okay, just take the freight agreements you have with the individual mm. carriers and calculate individual price limits. So the price limits, when would I use that? Just, uh, just if I want to make sure that I don't get uh, kind of uh, fun fun ratings uh, yeah, from the carrier or, or if, I don't hmm. if you really have a hard limit if you say okay mm -hmm. this is the limit I will not pay anymore and then the carriers mm -hmm. can submit a different price they know okay the, the limit is five hundred dollars mm -hmm. so they know okay if they bid a bit lower price then they have a good chance of, of being chosen in the end mm -hmm. so it's really more for that open bidding process okay I see so we're now in a tendering plan in the tendering step so we know no where the carriers come from, right? If it's a peer-to-peer -peer or broadcast, how if you have a price limit and and how how this is defined? Anything else in the tendering step? We define the um, response duration. Response duration. You also said that uh, um, auto accept or not thing, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's and then also there's step. one last thing, which um, we we also have here in in our list, and this is the visibility settings. So this sounds a bit strange but actually um can i do an invisible tendering <laughs> yeah you could do almost <laughs> so uh, visibility settings is something you define in customizing huh? and uh, what's behind this is simply the definition of which information the carrier can see and change and this is in standard um, restricted to the price limit and the stop dates so the idea is that you can define um, if you want to send a price limit to the carrier or if you don't want to use that, if you allow the carrier to submit a price back or if you don't want to to send uh, send a price back. And the same applies to the stop dates. So you can say, okay, I will, of course, show the carrier the requested dates at the um, different locations. Request date is kind of 
kind of appointments. Exactly. Okay. Um, but you can also say, okay, those are the hard constraints. The um, the stuff needs to be picked up from Monday morning, 9 a.m. and needs to be dropped off on Tuesday at noon. Mm. Um, but you can also propose an, a new appointment if you like. So within those you, you as a carrier. You right. as a carrier, right. Okay. I think that's the process that you send it to the carrier. The carrier immediately calls your or the customer's warehouse, right? Because from the app, he already has all the contact information, mm -hmm. right? Calls there, get an appointment or uses our doc appointment scheduling uh, app, another one from the, our EWM friends. And then he would already enter that for you in the freight order. Exactly. In, or in the ten ring in his response for the trade exactly. Order. Okay. So this mm -hmm. is optional. You can define exactly this in the visibility settings mm -hmm. what you allow the carrier to to see and change. So visibility is visibility and changeability exactly. setting, but that would be too long and we yeah. like simplicity. So it's visibility mm -hmm. settings. I see. Okay. So that would be now in the ten ring step. plan the step. Exactly. Okay. Did we finish the step? Or anything more in the step? No, that's well. There's one last thing. Um, you can define per step if business shares or allocations should be already considered during tendering. Ah. We might not dive too deep into that. I think uh, the allocations are should I are worth a different story. <laughs> I think that's a very uh, that goes to our Swiss friends. I think. Um, I think that the the background of that is if I do the if I have a business share or an allocation. Let's say a business share if I. Uh, have a business share 50-50 between two carriers. I think now it's an interesting question. If I send something to the carrier, he did not respond so far, is that already eating his business share or not? I think that's basically mm -hmm. the, the same for allocation, mm -hmm. right? So would I, it's kind of a, uh, of a bid then here. So I am very sure that the carrier will answer. Then it makes sense to already consume his business share because the next carrier selection running in parallel to my tendering um, would then already see that carrier as a consumer. Sorry, have the higher business mm -hmm. share because he has that assumed. No, no. I think that's basically what's behind, right? So for that uh, kind of, it would make sense to consume the business share and allocation for that or accept uh, scenario. I think, right? That would typically fit together well, yep. right? But okay. but it goes even even beyond that. So it's not only the question if you want to use the, the business share allocation during tendering already, okay. but the big question is what do you do after tendering if that carrier did not respond? So you can say, I send a RFQ to that carrier, hmm? but he never replied back. So I can That's say right. on, the, on the one hand side, okay, if he did not reply, I will free up the business share or allocation afterwards. Hmm? Because he did not receive the order, so the the allocation is not used. Okay. On the other hand side, you can say, I send it to him. It's his own fault. If he did not accept, he had the possibility to do mm. so. So we will keep the allocation and business share, even if he did not really receive the order in the end. Okay. So this is also a, a further flexibility. Kind of to increase the pressure on having... Answers in time. If I need an answer, or yeah. if he rejects, the same thing, right? If mm -hmm. he would reject, then it will also eat his business share because he had his chance. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would I also be able to differentiate uh, between the good usage of business share and those one? Yes, I think in allocation there's different kind of. Uh, um, so you you would know in allocation if the consumption of the allocation is allocation slash business share would come from a good threat order or from a kind of a reject rejection, right? Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think yeah. So. yeah, me too. Um, 
Good. That is the tendering step in the tendering plan, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we skipped that tendering plan as such, but the tendering plan is more a collection of steps, right? There's not much defined on the tendering plan itself, or no, it's it's actually the complete setup of the mm. of the tendering process, if you want. But basically, the the sequence of the steps and then the the actual meat is in the in the step, right? Exactly, and then below the step you have the carriers, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there are everything detailed on that level. Okay, nice. I think maybe that's enough for that that part of the setup for tendering. Yeah, maybe um, coming back, uh, should we just briefly, if we talked about setup now, look into involved business objects. We already talked about you know, getting a bit technically, so breathe now. Breathe. <laughs> uh, and, and we can maybe talk, what are the involved business objects in here? I think uh, way easier now and with TM8 than with 6.0. We would spend now another hour or so. So in 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 ADO and and later high releases it's uh, less uh, BOs involved. So we already talked about the freight order, so which is technically mm -hmm. a tour a transportation order object. But I think there's more objects involved, right? There's actually just one more object involved, which okay. is the um, tendering template, as it's called technically, mm -hmm. um, which is tendering profile we talked about. Um, and this is the only additional business object we have. It's kind of master data if you want to mm, want to call mm. it like that and everything else is part of the tor object okay you do your copy right so if if you do the tendering for at that point of time you keep the state of tendering right mm -hmm. coming to changes later um but uh, basically that's a uh, still a tor but that's a specific category right so it's in a pws wouldn't see that that copy right exactly so the purpose is mainly to have um, on the one hand side, the, a documented state so that you know what kind of information you send out to the carrier. But on the other hand side, it's also kind of a security security mechanism because um, we want to show that show that freight order to the carrier on the web UI and so on. And um, of course, the carrier should have no possibility at all to access the original freight order. Uh, yeah. So we um, only grant him access to this copy which contains really only the data which is relevant for him no charge information and so on I so see. it's part of this documentation and security mm. aspect and all that quotation we talked about quotation methods is all based on sub nodes of the bo tour right exactly there's this tendering section in the bo exactly with some sub nodes okay we have the tendering tendering step request and response nodes but that's only nodes in the bo it's and nodes. that's the different thing in 6.0 we had Everything was a BO. It was a long name also. Good. I think that's maybe nice, uh, nicely short, that uh, section. So basically just some notes in the BO. Mm -hmm. So everything is hosted uh, in the Tor object already. Okay. What's next? Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting. So we now went through that complete process. And maybe now we could revisit how to start it, right? I think that's not only in our example, we started it automatically when saving with a save strategy. Mm -hmm. But I think that is a very shortcutted process, mm -hmm. so to say. Um, yeah, maybe we can go through the, the options we have. What else? Uh, um, what, are, what are the other ways for starting tendering? A very manual process would be, of course, to go into a freight order 
and to manually start it in there for this specific order. This you would do if you really all also want to set up the plan manually, um, which is really more the exceptional case, I would mm. say. Um, you can also do it from a POWL, from the work list, can select multiple freight orders where you know, okay, I need a carrier for those. Um, you can select them then, of course, for a specific day and so on. And another option would be to use a background report so that you schedule every night and say, okay, I have those freight orders, I have the um, the tendering plan and everything set up, I do not have to do anything manually to start them, but I want to kick this off during night, for instance. Okay. We already talked about the change controller, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was a, maybe that's a, one process I liked. Uh, that was, I think, for one US customer also, right? They had a process. Uh, it was nice, maybe, yeah, just jumping there. Uh, that they, they did their planning, and then after they were happy with the planning, with the sales orders, uh, or OTRs in our world, but ERP uh, speak is a sales order on the freight orders. And then once the planner was happy, he was fixing the freight order. And um, that, at save, triggered a um, change controller strategy to create deliveries in ERP. Then it, uh, deliveries came back, and it, because quantities and deliveries could be different, um, then they re-performed the carrier selection with the tendering, uh, all in the background then again. And then, so basically, at a point in time when I had um, only deliveries on a freight order, freight orders fixed, so planner was happy, um, carrier selection was performed again as a part of the tendering, and tendering was performed. So carrier, basically what the planner had to do is fixing the freight order and forget about it, and everything else was done in the background then. So I think it was, I, I like that mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, status update. But of course, there are other ways you mentioned, mm -hmm. right? POWLs, uh, batch reports. Typically, then you would select all the freight orders without a carrier. Exactly. Created. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think that's... Pretty simple. Any any other sophisticated ways uh, of doing that? No, huh? that's no. basically it. Should Good. be good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sophisticated enough. Better. Enough options. Good. Um, coming back to the config um, part. Um, anything else that we forget to mention in, in customizing or? Yeah, maybe, maybe one interesting thing is um, we bundled the um, the customizing pieces in the so-called settings, process settings, and communication settings, mm -hmm. and then you can assign those settings, those collections of settings, let's say, to the freight order types, so that you can say, okay, for specific types, for specific regions, or whatever, you mm -hmm. want to use different tendering setups. Mm -hmm. Um, but what you can also do is, of course, you can have your tendering settings defined via conditions or found mm. via conditions mm. that you say, okay, depending on the source location, you need a mm. different carrier, which results in a different tendering plan, different tendering setup. So you can also here go from the very simple step of just mm. taking the default settings or go to the very high sophisticated um, step and have your settings determined by I think a nice use case, what I heard for condition-based uh, um, tendering plan uh, determination mm -hmm. uh, was if uh, driven by the time between now and the start mm -hmm. of the freight order, right? So mm -hmm. if I have only one day left, I do a open tendering mm -hmm. to be sure I get 
maybe open tendering with first response. So mm -hmm. I'm in a hurry kind of thing. And if I have like two days left, I do a rate shopping first. Then I fall back to my, with a rate shopping with a price limit, mm -hmm. which would be my standard price. So I check if there is uh, an extra cheap uh, carrier. Then if that doesn't work, I fall back to my default mm -hmm. strategy. So or default carriers and then as a last emergency again go to broadcast and first yep. answer mm -hmm. okay so that would be already on the high-tech side of it right mm -hmm. in the freight order time anything i have to consider if i want to do uh, tendering or the only thing is that the freight order needs to be relevant for subcontracting right mm -hmm. i mean that's yeah. okay Ah, we always talked about freight also i think technically it's also possible for bookings right i mean not that uh Technically, it would be possible as bookings and freight orders um, are on the same business object and we learned that the tendering stuff is all located in subnotes of the Tor object. Yeah. Um, but we only have it on, on the UIs and so on for the freight order. Okay. So there would be a little tweaking required if you mm -hmm. want to do it for bookings, but it wouldn't be too much of an effort. Yeah, I think we already did we do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think technically it's possible. I think we had one customer who was kind of the ports were fixed already in the ocean booking, but they want to find the carrier mm. for that. Okay, good. Good. I think we already talked about that uh, direct versus RFQ-based tendering. Anything mm -hmm. we have to add on that one? No. And no. It's, uh, so basically, auto-accept or really asking for, for an answer thing. Yeah, we, we already talked uh, before a bit about the end of the tendering process, the awarding mm -hmm. step. Maybe we can dive a bit deeper in, in, into that one. So as I said, we defined in our tendering if I would have an auto-accept or not. I think that is that um, awarding process really depends on auto-accept versus uh, tendering manager. Mm -hmm. I maybe also have to define or talk about what a tendering manager actually is. Uh, but maybe first, we, yeah, maybe you can say some words about the role of a tendering manager and then uh, talk about how he's doing that uh, awarding thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, a tendering manager is actually just a, a standard user in the system who starts the tendering so but at least he's a manager already huh That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you can define the tendering manager whenever you start a new tendering you can just enter any user in the system um, it's usually the planner or the one who mm -hmm. created the freight order and so on but you he's can define a separate um, he, he would be also manager. the contact person and for the exactly okay. so this is the role he plays he's the mm -hmm. contact person for the carrier so when we send out the emails to the carrier and so on we will use this user's um, contact information like email telephone whatever is maintained for that user and yeah he will just be responsible for it um, yeah, when we receive the quotations and do the awarding and we do the automatic process, we have this background report. As mentioned in standard, um, the implementation will check for the cheapest carrier. We do not consider any proposed appointments because it's difficult to to rate for us what the best appointment is, right? I mean, if, if some customer has, um, has a, a good logic to implement that, um, we have a we have a body for that that's easy to change. So any customer can can define here a separate logic, um, maybe more sophisticated logic. But in in standard, we just look for the cheapest price. So if we have awarded this carrier, we also of course update the freight order. So the most obvious thing is that we assign the carrier that won to the freight order. 
Um, this then, of course, also triggers possibly some follow-up activities, like, for instance, sending out the freight order to mm. the carrier after an RFQ-based tendering and so on. Um, and what we also do is we update the charges. So um, let's talk about mm. a scenario where you calculate charges before doing tendering and you send out a price limit to the carrier. Mm. And you say, okay, my price limit is $100. And the carrier sends back um, his quotation and says, okay, I can do it for 90 bucks. Then we have, of course, a difference here. Mm. So what we do is we call the charge calculation again. We update them with the information, okay, the carrier can do it for 90 bucks. And then we will add such a so-called adjustment element to the charge structure, which is then the difference between 100 bucks and 90 bucks. Um, so that this is 10, right? 10, right? Ah. <laughs> So that this is also visible after tendering in the charges and that they are correct. And the last update we do is that we also, of course, write the appointments to the freight order. So if the carrier was able to submit different um, appointments, we will also note them. And we will not overwrite the original dates in the freight order, but we have separate fields um, where you can really see the confirmed appointments by the carrier. Sorry, confirmed, yeah. Or confirmed or made by the carrier, yeah. right? Mm. Coming back to that difference, that to that ten bucks, so that would then later be considered in the charge calculation because I think normally they would do. Finally, you would do a recalculation, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, you would come to different price with surcharges, uh, mm -hmm. whatever. And then it would just basically reduce that ten dollars from that. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Good. Not bad. I think that that's for the manual awarding. Or no, it was automated. Uh, it's it's for both. For both. So okay. whenever you award a carrier, mm. and he is is updated at the mm. freight order, we also update the other stuff. Okay. Basically, there are two ways, right? One is the this report that uh, mm -hmm. we already talked about. Okay, if I did not hear back from my carrier within two hours, and I, I set up the tendering step, as we learned, in a way that it kind of auto accepts, then then the report will pick up everything that has been finished since the last run and. The time is over, and then it would um, um, award to that mm -hmm. carrier, right? Mm -hmm. If the carrier answers directly, um, with accepts, and I set it up that it accepts, when the carrier accepts, then would directly award it to the carrier, or would I also need that report to uh, that the carrier is awarded? So. The report is technically always required. Okay. So this is also highly recommended to... Um, to to schedule this in the background. Basically, without that background report, it's not running, right? Exactly. Yeah, so you really need that. Yeah. So it's in the application operations guide. Mm -hmm. Maybe anyway, good hint. Check the reports mentioned in the application operations guide. They are really needed. So that is one. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Um. Yeah. Visibility settings. Um. We talked about already. Awarding, yeah. For the manual award, maybe what, uh, how would that happen basically? Is there a special place for the tendering manager where he would do that awarding? Is, yeah, how, how does that work and, and from where? What does he see? <laughs> so there are different possibilities. So um, we didn't talk about that at all, I think. In the freight order, we have um, a subcontracting tab where you will also find this ranking list we talked hmm? about earlier. And we have there, uh, 
pretty huge um, tab for the tendering where you can see an overview about all the tenderings that ever ran for this freight order. Um, you can see the setup for each of those tendering processes and you see a clear history of all the requests for quotations that were sent out to the carriers and the quotations you received back. So you directly see all of them at once and you can also compare them and uh, make your decision if you need to do that manually. And this would be one place where the tendering manager can have a look at, see the different quotations and then just select one and say, okay, award, and that's it. The other place where you could do it um, is, again, from the POWL. So we have um, a tendering a set of tendering POWLs mm. and um, there the tendering manager can for instance have a query where he sees all the freight orders where tendering requires some action by okay. him where a quotation is um, received that is not awarded yet and then you can see the quotation there say okay that's fine I want to take it and then award Which, it from there. Because they said you see a list of freight orders and you could have multiple quotations for the same freight order Just uh, how, how would he see the different uh, quotations then? Well, he would in the end see the, the quotations in the list. Okay, so he would, for the same thread order, he would have multiple entries in there mm -hmm. that he has a full picture and in one, uh, in one go that he would see all the quotations for that one thread order and one view sorted by thread well, order mm -hmm. and ranking uh, maybe or price, whatever. Okay, and then he would pick from the list so he wouldn't need to go into the... Uh, I think that oh. is also a major difference compared to 6.0, right? I remember... Counting the steps, I think it was seven steps to get to the actual quotation. I think yeah. we have some lessons learned on that one as well. So you would already in the POWL see all the different quotations mm -hmm. except from there. And only if you want really to deep dive, you would go into the mm -hmm. document. Okay, got it. Okay, I think that's that's it for the warning step, mm -hmm. right? Anything else? No. No. Okay. If I reject, uh, yeah, we always talked about acceptance so far, mainly, yeah, at least from our side. So in that case, if now I pick one of the carriers and the other carriers would be informed that they uh, didn't wear the lucky ones or? That depends, again, a bit on the setup. So um, what we do is we send out a, a notification email to them. So mm -hmm. if they submitted a quotation, we tell them, hey, sorry, we, we did not mm -hmm. choose you. If you set it up that way, um, we do not send out EDI messages um, talking about this cancellation because what what we say is that, first of all, we do not want to send out a flood of, of messages mm. because that was always the problem. So we try mm. to reduce the number here and we say, okay, this request for quotation is not legally binding. It's just a request. Mm -hmm. And until you do not receive a confirmation from us mm. or the actual order, You should not consider this to be uh, to be awarded. So yeah. just an award is really a message that okay, now you can go ahead and, and plan the transport on your side or whatever. Okay. So what could happen? He would also see that in a, the carrier. Ah, we we didn't talked about uh, the carrier POW work mm -hmm. list uh, as well. So the carrier can also we already talked about the email that you receive. So mm -hmm. with that email. He would also be able to log on to, to our system mm -hmm. and then after going through all the firewalls, etc., um, he would uh, then see all the quotations and he would also see the rejections there then or? Yeah, yeah, of okay. course. We, mm -hmm. we have um, different POWL queries we mm -hmm. deliver with all quotations he ever submitted, with the quotations that were awarded by the tendering manager, the ones that were rejected, and the ones that are maybe still pending where no decision is made by the tendering manager okay. yet. Okay. 
Good. And then for that carrier user, is there anything? Uh, I think we, we come to the famous mistakes uh, section, but I think you, there's a special setup for that user, I assume, because it's kind of mm. an external user logging onto your system, right? Yes. So is there something to be considered there? Or how, how that's actually the user? Yeah, maybe that's a good point. I mean, I send it to a carrier, that, but not the carrier is logging on, but a person, a user. So how is that Related. Exactly. So the whole business partner setup is quite crucial for the tendering process to work. So um, you first of all need the business partners in the role carrier, of course, the ones you send the RFQs to, but you would also need for the direct communication, the contact persons, because um, let's say um, you have a, a very huge carrier, you do not want to send out the email to an email address like info at some carrier. Sure. Dot com that doesn't make sense you usually have a direct contact person yeah just a, a a person or not the whole organization yeah so this is why we also have the contact person business partners which you need to um, link to the carriers via such a relationship in the business partner maintenance which often gets forgotten but this mm -hmm. is important and then if you want to allow that contact person to log on to the to this let's say portal you need to create an internet user for that mm. contact person, which is just a, a user in the system. Mm -hmm. um, this needs to have a special role, which is, of course, very, very limited to only access to tendering-related mm. information and functionality. And um, that's basically it. And then the user can log on with, or the contact person can log on with that user to the system and can see the data. So this user is a normal SU01 user, that internet user? It, I mean, and it was, was yeah. limitations, or is it, okay, that is normal? It, it is actually a, a usual, uh, a normal user, mm -hmm. but in the business partner maintenance, you need to explicitly create an internet user role for that contact person, yeah. and there you can then enter this SU01 user. Okay. So there's this link. So in the business partner... Have an internet user, enter, SVZ1 user, done. Exactly. Authorizations, uh, of course, the role must be assigned mm -hmm. to that or to that internet user. We deliver an example role, which they then would copy With, to that exactly. user. Okay. Okay. I think I, I got that one. Good. So carrier would also be able to log on now after talking about that setup. I think that's mm -hmm. a often done problem right or often done mistake to, yep. to to miss that step right probably the biggest problem is here really to test this um during a, a implementation project um, because you have to create all of that um, authorization setup and roles at a very mm. early stage mm. in the project which is often um maybe a bit special in mm. comparison to the other, um, other scenarios and then you also have um often a problem when testing this internally with the user and certificates <laughs> in your browser and so on, because you usually log on with your own user to the um, ABAP system and you maybe have a single sign-on, which then automatically logs or registers you um, at the browser <laughs> with your cookies uh, or your, your certificates. <laughs> um, but if you then want to test this internet user, you have a separate user and you need to somehow get rid of the single sign-on certificates and so on. So, this is usually the big problem. So it's it's not really an issue that occurs um, when this whole thing is productive later on. 
it's really more when you start to play around with it. It's yeah, I think if uh, the, on the step to go productive, that's also, I think, a recommendation I think that we can uh, give is to also try that connectability really end-to-end -end mm -hmm. with the production system then because they might be behind different firewalls. I mean, there are production systems, so they should be extra protected. So I think we also had customers that had hiccups or performance problems also for users, uh, which I wanted to connect to the production system, but that was all firewall security mm. things or no system issues really, but a lot of um, security layers in the middle. So I think before you go live, you should have one or two trusted carriers, ask them to log on, maybe mm. have one test threat order or something, they also see if they see something, yeah. really a production, then cancel that one and then send it back. Because that is a different system, a different connection then. And uh, and it's always, as you mentioned, a bit hard to test that from inside. I mean, mm -hmm. inside is inside and outside is outside. So I think that is also one interesting uh, step. And I, of course, I mean, you only go live once, so you have to make sure that you... Um, Check that beforehand with the yep. carrier. And also performance can be we also had a problem that it worked, but it was extremely slow because of that all that security layers. So that also um, the somebody from the network or IT and in sense of network security, etc., would be involved in, in that process as well. That they know that somebody will come into their firewall. Typically they don't like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Good. Now we yeah we already jumped a bit into the troubleshooting section um, or yeah how would we call it, it troubleshooting so what is my ten ring does not work what would I do so <laughs> so um, there are actually different different problems that um, occur quite often which all are related to the setup and. Um, yeah, for that we also created an, a nice troubleshooting document, a consulting note, just for your information. Um, if you have problems, just have a look at this. Um, so the typical problems lie, for instance, in the business partner setup. So I just mentioned you need to have the business partner with role carrier and a business partner with role contact person. They need to have the proper relationship, has contact person or is contact person for, um, and so on. So often one of that piece is missing. The user the must be an internet user, I think. Also. Exactly. Yeah, I so all of that. that is the typical stuff that is missing. Um, then, for instance, a typical problem is the carrier selection. You use carrier selection to retrieve the carriers from the lanes, and you know that usually the carrier selection is working for the trade order, but for any reason you still do not get any carriers to tendering. Mm. The reason for that is actually quite simple. Um, if you maintain the carriers at the transportation lane, um, which you would also do for the regular carrier selection, you have two nice little flags um, saying, okay, this carrier is relevant for tendering and explicitly for peer-to-peer -peer tendering or for broadcast tendering. Um, we introduced that because you may have carriers that you do want to use um, for regular carrier selection, but not for tendering or you have special carriers mm -hmm. that are only um, used for peer-to-peer -peer tendering, but not for broadcast or vice yeah. versa. I remember, I think we learned that in cold winter days in Chicago, huh, that we would need that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so that you would have different carriers, standard carriers versus the 
broadcast, uh, fallback, rate shopping yep. carriers. And it could be the same carrier in different regions. So exactly. that's why it's on, on the lane level. Yep. Yeah. Maybe that's a good point that we, it's not only troubleshooting, but a feature. So you can basically on the lane, yep. you can define what is the role of that, uh, carrier. Okay. That's yep. interesting. Exactly. We forgot to mention is that. Is there earlier. a default for that? If you just assign a carrier to the lane, it's it was, not flagged. By default, it's not relevant for tendering. Yeah. And this is why if you do not know those flags yeah. and that you can use them, um, it can happen that you run the carrier selection and you do not get the carriers in tendering. Okay. I see. So, and but now you know, right? Now Everybody you know. listening <laughs> knows about it. And um, those flags are also visible and also editable in the ranking list. So if you create your ranking list, maybe even manually, you also have the possibility to set the flags there or to change the flags. If you do a regular carrier selection yeah. and you get the carriers in the ranking list and mm -hmm. the flags are not set, but you, for any reason, still want to use the carriers, you can set the flags there and mm -hmm. say in tendering, take the carriers from the ranking list mm -hmm. and then it would work again. Okay. Or uncheck if you'd want to exclude exactly. it. You know, of exactly. course. But you could also delete uh, the carrier from the tendering step anyway manually. That's yeah, yeah, option. sure. Okay, I see. Mm -hmm. That's more for including them additionally. Yeah. Okay. Um, then setting up the email and SMS stuff is also some, yeah, you know, some maybe ugly, um, stuff, but that's more systems setup, IT infrastructure, right? Because you need your SMTP server and all of that stuff. Okay, so, so batch report must, must run to send out the emails, right? What was exactly. the name? Oh. SOST. Okay. So, see so there's this transaction where you see yeah. the emails in the queue and sometimes the emails are generated in tendering but are just stuck in that queue and you think, yeah. okay, it does not work, but this yeah. is more also just system setup. Okay. And um, especially if you then want to do the um, tendering-based emails where you also want to receive Email-based tendering or tendering-based emails? <laughs> um, yeah, both probably. E Email-based <laughs> tendering, right? Email-based tendering, yeah. right? Um, then you, of course, need to set up the system in a way that you can receive the emails in the mm -hmm. system and that they can automatically be evaluated mm -hmm. and so on. Um, there is some system setup in general required, but also some setup in the tendering um, customizing. This is all also documented, of course, mm -hmm. and just some setup you need to do. Is that it's documented? Is that uh, a how-to guide or a normal help.sub.com thing? It's a normal normal help thing. Okay. So we have something in the troubleshooting guide where you should um, also get Maybe you should mention the note number huh, of that troubleshooting guide. Do we have it on, on hand or could also um, add it? We can add it later on. We can add it later on. Okay. We will do that. It's in the show notes then. Exactly. No one will remember the name of who. Yeah, and I think if you search for... Uh, tendering troubleshooting, you will find it. But anyway, we can add it to yep. the notes. Good. Um, yeah, that's actually the, the main, main pieces where, where you might get, get stuck. Maybe there's, there's one additional thing, which is nice when talking about the emails, you have the possibility to define and tendering customizing that you would like to encrypt or digitally sign the emails if you send them out. Mm. Um, maybe one remark to that, um, there, there are flexing customizing where you, where you can set this. But if you want to use this, you have to, of course, um, set up your whole system and connect some some third-party providers for encryption and signatures and all of that to it. Um, this has to be done separately. But if you have set this up, 
um, you can also use this for tendering. So if you say, okay, your freight order information is really sensitive and you're um, you're but a bit afraid that someone might might grab the mails and know what you what you send from where to where. You can also use the encryption, for instance. Okay. So we are safe on that side. Of course. Good. So yeah, I think one th one thing is also that this tendering manager needs to have an email address says sender, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's also I think yep. one of the mistakes I made. <laughs> Good. I think that's enough maybe for troubleshooting. We have that mm -hmm. uh, node, uh, know how to find it. And I think with that, you typically should be able to, if you follow the steps in, in that, uh, how to guide, then you would be on a safe side, right? Okay. Uh, maybe, um, one interesting thing, um, for, for at least for consulting or listeners from consulting with maybe also the enhancement capabilities. Is there any, mm -hmm. um, Bodies. Uh, what else? Uh, or yeah, what are the options for enhancing? So we have a nice list of bodies available, and um, those can be used, for instance, to to change the logic in in which way the carriers are added. So if you say you do not want to use the standard um, carrier selection mm. or use the ranking list, and you have your own logic. For instance, um, use some sophisticated carrier selection logic using conditions, mm. for instance. Um, you could use that body or you can manipulate the price calculation if you have your own mm. way in which you want to calculate the prices. Or if you want to change the way in which the freight order is updated after tendering so that you say you do not want to do an update on the charges with this adjustment element mm. or you want to change them even any further you could, you could do that take over the appointment also as your time exactly so not only carrier confirmed but the actual appointment exactly then, so see. all of that can be changed for instance okay. um, there are bodies available for the email content so that you can easily change um, the emails that are sent out um, you can change the way in which the standard evaluation should work so I said before mm. we only took a uh, Choose the cheapest quotation. I said the best price quotation. Best price. <laughs> if you have your own logic, you can implement it there. So actually, we have quite some bodies oh. at all, all somehow important places during the process. Mm -hmm. I think they also follow the TM pattern, right? So body work mode. Maybe exactly. Here. So we could say, okay, skip standard coding, mm -hmm. enrich standard coding, exactly. or pre-proc uh, before. Mm -hmm. Yes, but that's normal body behavior for TM. Yeah, I think one last thing uh, that we, uh, I think maybe it also goes a bit into troubleshooting direction. I don't know, is a change controller. Um, so I'm in tendering and changes happen. So I, I shortcutted my thread order coming back to the very beginning. So I have my sales order comes over, it starts tendering all automatically, two hours left, uh, and now another change to that sales order comes in. So what would happen then? I mean, still I have my tendering copy as I learned before, so I would still see the the original um, data from the mm -hmm. point in time when the tendering was sent out. It's now outdated a bit. So what, what happens then? So would I always cancel the tendering? Would I just ignore that change? So for that, you can set up the change controller mm -hmm. so that you can uh, basically say, okay, if some 
some not so important changes happen. So if the quantity just increases by, I don't know, 1% or if the, the time changes within a time frame of half an hour or something, this is not so important um, so that we need to inform the carrier or anything. We just stick to the original tendering plan and notify the carrier afterwards that there are slight changes and that should be fine. Um, but you could, of course, also say whenever there's a larger change uh, to the quantity, to the time, or if the locations change or anything else, then you would like to either stop the current tendering or you want to restart it with the same tendering setup. So you do not have to determine your carriers again and so on. You just take the plan as it was before and use it again. Or you simply start a new tendering with a new determination of the carriers because mm. once the quantities have changed or locations or, or dates, it could be that potential, potentially the carrier selection would return a different set of carriers, right? Mm. So um, you're absolutely free to, to set this up. Mm. I see. Isn't there also one fancy option that you, let's say you, the tendering was already over, so you have the carrier assigned, that you then restart the tendering and then to kind of appreciate the, the carrier that has accepted the tendering before, even so he might not be the number one carrier from the, for the new ranking list, that he has a extra chance uh, that you have one step where you ask the currently assigned carrier. In, in a tendering, in that, okay, I think you can define it in a tendering step, right? You, you, so that you, you use that. So basically the setup for that case would be having a tendering step, which takes a currently assigned carrier from the mm -hmm. thread order and re-tenders to, to re, to basically reconfirm with the carrier that the changed thread order is still okay. And if mm -hmm. he rejects or did not accept, mm -hmm. in the time then you go back to the peer-to-peer -peer broadcast whatever step exactly. right I think maybe that's the that. second usage of that uh, takes a carrier from root mm -hmm. uh, option that we have in the tendering step if i remember right exactly okay nice i think basically we are done with tendering overview right did we forget something important something where we should dive a bit deeper i think we won't discuss some example codings for the bodies or so no i think maybe for first, it's a good overview about tendering and what's about. That's okay. So, thanks for listening. Start tendering now. Feel like a tendering manager and hope to have you in a tendering world soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>